Hey everyone, welcome back to OklahomaCraftBeer.com. This is episode 35. A couple of things first before we get into the show. There's been some movement with the Retail Liquor Association of Oklahoma. They've uh, come out with a recent statement about some modernization that they'd like to push through. I'm just going to read a couple of points here quickly that's uh, pretty impressive and the fact that we can see some change happening in our state with our liquor laws is impressive. So you can go to their website, rlao.org, and the uh, it looks like they have a PDF on there. So slash modernization.pdf, that's the URL that can get you there. If you want to read this all yourself, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But a few of their propositions are uh, Oklahoma should move to a single strength, strong, refrigerated beer for all outlets, which currently sell either 3-2 or strong beer. I mean, right there, you, you've got my vote. Uh, two, as a matter of convenience, wine should be available for purchase in a limited number of grocery stores. So that's pretty progressive on the wine front. Uh, customers should be able to buy mixers, corkscrews, glassware, cigars, and other items inside their local retail package store. That definitely has a, our vote uh, for this podcast and uh, for all of our other items that we provide over on beersok.com. Customers should be able to order our products, have them delivered by a properly licensed employee of a retail package store. That's pretty cool. Customers should be allowed to attend tastings inside the premises of a retail package store. I mean, it only makes sense. (laughs) Customers should be permitted to bring their child with them into a retail package store. Customers should be allowed to buy liquor, wine, and beer from a retail package store on Independence Day, Memorial Day, and Labor Day. Yes. Customers should have access to growlers and crowlers filled and sealed at a retail package store. That's pretty cool, people. Um, The fact that they're coming out with any of this, you can kind of read the other paragraphs that follow and why they're uh, moving this way. And uh, like I said, it's over on rlao.org slash modernization.pdf. You can follow them on Twitter at Oklahoma Liquor and uh, go like their Facebook page now. Enough of that getting into the show. So this past Labor Day uh, afforded my wife and I a trip to take a trip over to Oklahoma City this year, Uh, but we took a slight detour over to the neighboring city of Edmond. Winding through the burbs and pleasant neighborhoods, you'll find what most have taken to as a major hobby these days. Bruce Sanchez was diligently at work on a new brew in his garage. His brew system consisted of converted kegs. It was a multi-purpose for sparging and cooling the wort. A true rig by a veteran engineer like himself. It is no wonder guys like this are making good beer. We got a quick tour of his garage, his two beer fridges with libations to keep him going, and cold storage for lagering. The oppressive heat took us inside where his cellar was bursting with sours he concocted over the past couple years. Bruce is a smart guy, and he's taken his time to formulate recipes, as well as the perfect venue to serve them up. Listen in as my wife and I get the scoop with Bruce and his wife Donna on how Twisted Spike came to be. I was a technical contributor to the um, uh, professor, uh, I can't even think of his name right now because I'm so wigged out right now. <laughs> um, so Blake Jarlin from uh, Coop, Coop mm-hmm. myself, and uh, uh, the former brewer, uh, Mark Walker from Bricktown um, Brewery. Um, the the university professor of chemistry at OU started this online beer course two years ago. Hmm. So uh, he wanted a perspective from pro brewer, uh, brew pub, and a home brewer. 
and Blake and I have been friends for you know six, eight, ten years, and he immediately called me and said, "Hey, you need to contribute to this class." Hmm. So we went, we took the class from like here to here because there was so much stuff. It was a chemistry professor, yeah, um, who was familiar with brewing but not. You know, to the level extent that he thought he was, he was a chemist. Yeah. So it was all chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. I, I took the course too. I got a C on it. <laughs> <laughs> my redux equations are like 30 years ago from my Chem One class, so I really yeah, right. have a good idea. But so we, I did help them with that, develop that class. Huh. The guy that just called me, he, he tweeted me a couple days ago for my for my phone number. Okay. Um, this is a guy. He and his partner are opening the first brew pub in Kingston, Nigeria. Shut up. Wow. So that was a call from Nigeria. You sure it wasn't a scam? I'm sure it was a scam. So he and his, yeah. he and his uh, partner are, are opening the first brew pub in mm-hmm. Kingston and right. had some questions. And he's like, I cannot believe I'm talking to, to Mr. Bruce Sanchez. <laughs> Can you yeah, you should have put him on speaker. <laughs> so, so now you're a consultant. So now I'm a, now I'm a uh, worldwide beer consultant. Nice. <laughs> wow. Hilarious. That is awesome. Um, that's why ginger peppercorn stays on. Okay. You said all the right words. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You said that really fast. Yeah. Ginger peppercorn stays on. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we were just talking, chatting um, with your wife. You've been here in Edmond for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, where'd you Where'd you all get started? I guess with the whole brewing process. So uh, where, where, where do you all, Where do you kind of hail from? I know twenty five. Well, twenty five years ago, a friend of mine mm-hmm. um, did it, handed me a homebrew. Just a kit. Um, mm-hmm. Just yeah, he did a he did a, a stovetop kit, and back at that time, it was still in the beer dark ages, <laughs> and I was like. I mean, I'd always been, I always liked beer. I preferred beer over wine or, um, I've never been a, uh, you know, a whiskey or an alcohol. Mm-hmm. Higher, you know, spirit Heavy spirits here. I always loved beer. I mean, I've got pictures of me with, you know, Foster's oil cans when I was in college at Texas A&M and stuff. So, I always was a beer fan. Mm-hmm. And then it was, you know, there wasn't a whole lot. And then when he had that homebrew cap, like, this is really good. Mm-hmm. How did you do this? Oh, I made it on the stove. I'm like, oh, I am so doing this. Yeah. And so for at least the first 10 years, I homebrewed on the kitchen stove. Wow. And... Until I kicked him out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was even 10 years. It might have been like 5 to 7. I'm like, you know, can you move that out of the kitchen? <laughs> Which I was co- a big fan. It corresponded with, the real, with good timing because I had kind of mm-hmm. maxed out on my kit brewing and I really wanted to do some all grain stuff mm. so that's when I moved stuff out into the garage and started you know, all grain brewing I, my first mm-hmm. system that I put together was you know, two keg coolers just like you buy at the homebrew <laughs> shop so at the first your starter your, your uh, all grain starter kit I'm like wow it's taking me six hours to do like five gallons of beer I need to up this. Mm. So oh, I'm spending one. so much time. I need to do more. Yeah. It takes just as long time to brew five as it does five hundred. Right. Really. So then the next phase of that was that system. There, I went from a, a turkey fryer, seven gallon pot, and propane to mm-hmm. pumped in natural gas, pumped in water. I got those kegs, that keg system built up, and 
kind of grew it into the system that it is today. We linked it up with little, uh, mm-hmm. little diamond play a couple of years ago. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of a, a work in progress over the last couple of years to fine tune that system. Nice. And you've been um, not by trade. Yeah, you said you're an engineer. Yeah, I'm a electrical engineer for the FAA. Okay. Been How long have you been doing that? 26 years. Nice. Okay. And uh, like you said, you're. You guys like to geek out about that stuff, and I've seen it more and more. New brewers are coming along; they're all engineer backgrounds, and you know, like John Elkins himself, yeah. and yeah. Um, people like that. So it's it's funny that that's kind of the new age of taking over <laughs> breweries. But I mean, it makes sense, right? And, you know, and these guys that you have to kind of have no fear and trial and error, and that's kind of how brewing is too, right? It's, you know, it's like anything else. When there's, I mean, for. For me, in the educational background and engineering, like it's all something's always new, so it's always like, if you don't know how to do something, find a book. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of beer books. Yeah, I have I have a lot of beer books. Um, books on almost every style: water, chemistry, hops, malts. You know, looked at all the you know all the big popular. I, mean, I started with you know the Joy of Homebrewing. Sure, know, Charlie Papazian's book. I think I have like a first edition or something from like nice. thirty years ago. That's awesome. So that's how I learned, and it was always like, if you don't know what it is, engineers go read about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you, because every time I've done something and totally screwed it up bad, I mean, my first logger that I did, I um, only did a three gallon back because I wasn't sure how the process yet. Yeah. So I actually carbonated it with the same amount of sugar that I would for a five gallon batch. Hmm. And I got a call from Donna one morning. Your beer's exploding. <laughs> so we had a, in our in our previous house, we had a laundry room where I oh, stored yeah. all the you know it was the the girls' flip top bottles. Oh, nice! Boom! <laughs> Boom! So they were going off like cannons in the nice. in the cupboards. And by the time I got home, I think I lost like two thirds of them. Oh no! And so I'm like, oh, save the beer, right? So now I'm I'm walking out with these bottles in my hand, trying to put them in the fridge. And after I did it, like. Wow, that was pretty stupid. <laughs> they could have gone off in my hands because yeah. they've already already reached the the glass failure proportion. So <laughs> got those all chilled down, trying to kill, trying to release that. But so right after that screw up, what I did I do? I bought a book from Greg Noonan's, you know, how to do, how to brew lager beers. Mm. <laughs> so my first triple that I did was horrible. So I read. Bring Belgian beers. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's where I screwed up. Yeah. Oh, that's where I screwed up. <laughs> oh, that's where I screwed up. So it's been, you know, 25 years worth of learning. Sure. And then refining stuff and getting stuff to work. You know, I've got to the beers I have today. I'm like, hey, I'm really proud of these. I think we can we can scale up. Cool. Well, and that's when, I mean, when he's looking at recipes, and that's when, you know, he has the, enough engineering and chemistry background to define and make his own recipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you want to see somebody like that dedicated to where you're not just like, oh, sours are popular, let's make that, you know. And <laughs> you know, as you were talking earlier with your uh, creek and and um, your blending, you know, mm-hmm. going to blend some of those. So, where what did you really start with style wise? Did you kind of start the pale ales, um, ambers? I, my epiphany beer was like a Norvell. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that from a lot of people. That's and really funny. But I guess it makes sense because it's a tried and true beer, and it still is to this day. It's like the only, it means the only thing they make, you know. And so, <laughs> yeah, I got to give this guy my email my email address. Oh, yeah, never stops. The Nigerian, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> the Nigerian prince. No, that's the, the awesome. worst thing he can do is take down my website. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
mean, the very first beer that he bottled mm-hmm. was he brought the bottled beer to celebrate our first child being born. Oh, nice. Which, I mean, so it's 25 years ago. I mean, by the time he started brewing it, by the time it was fermented long enough to be bottled, mm-hmm. I mean, Braden will be 24 next March. So by the time he started the process, he wow. brought that beer to the hospital to <laughs> celebrate. I just became a father. So naturally, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but he wasn't the first and only <laughs> to yeah. do something like that. I know a lot of guys that I'm talking to. They want guys that are having kids that are beer nerds they're like what's a good beer I can age for 21 years yeah, you know well, like my, one of my good friends I think I've probably gotten 10 guys in my office brewing beer nice so I, I, I you know self-proclaimed that Oklahoma City beer evangelist <laughs> so funny um, <laughs> so he's doing mm-hmm. one of my buddies that I got started brewing, he did, he's doing an old ale oh. his daughter was born two years ago so he did like a 15% old ale nice. he put it in you know seven ounce bottles so he's got like four cases of this stuff so every year on her birthday he's opening one and then on her 21st birthday he'll have a case left uh, here you go happy birthday know. like I don't like beer dad <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh one for me <laughs> yeah, his dad is, oh. is also homebrewed as well so they have his or his father-in-law so they have a little connection there so now hey, Excellent. We're, gonna do, we're gonna do Freya's beer <laughs> cool so what um, so you're you know Learning about all this beer stuff coming up, uh, you know, did you do it a lot through college and, and didn't do it anything through college. So okay, it was like it was all after yeah, all, all after you kind of so, settled down and uh, I graduated in '88 from OU mm-hmm. and Braden was born in '92. Mm-hmm. So there's 14 years of okay nasty beer until mm-hmm. <laughs> I had that first home bruise and then uh, I didn't really have a lot of familiarization with a lot of the styles through that. Mm-hmm. So probably it was a good 10 years into um, brewing that I started, you know, if you do something that's worth, you know, guys compete. Yeah. So, oh, there's, there's beer competitions? Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah, I'm in that. You know, it's just that did that for a lot of the feedback, you know. Sure. Um, is it's going to be the best feedback probably, right? Right. You know, is this accurate stylistically? Am I, am I doing things in the process that create what I need, what the target is? Mm-hmm. So if I want to make a... A saison, or if I want to make a stout, or if I want to make whatever, mm-hmm. um, I've done enough research on it and know what I you know. And the, the books that I have are, you know, they. Um, one of the guys that has put out one of the style books is he took the recipes for three years straight of all the beers and all the categories that went into the national homebrew competition. Mm. So, and you have to you have to provide them your recipe. So he mm. figured out and he created these tables of well. This for a stout, you know, eighty percent is going to be your sixty-five, seventy-five percent is all the base malt, and then two or three different kinds of specialty malts. So we compared all of the submittals for three years or something, and had ranges of all sure. of these different malts that go into the different flavors. So, wow. you know, if I wanted something a little a stout that was a little more roasty, I'd go, I'd move up on the roast, the roasted barley percentage, and down on another percentage. So you kind of dial stuff in hmm. to the flavor profile you're looking for. Very cool. So there's there's plenty of resources out there, and yeah. kind of have a feel for it yourself, and you got on it. Right, as we do. Um, so did you? And then with, within that time, you learning about competitions. Were you with a homebrew group at all? Um, I started with the the uh, the drafters. 
Oh yeah. Here, okay. I've been a drafter for you know for 25 years. Right on. Red plane or the high plains drafters. Yeah, yeah. And me and you know Gary Shaman who was the was the was the brewmaster at the Mustang, mm-hmm. and we got we go back 20 years on that. Awesome. So they're all pretty much behind you, ready to. Oh yeah. <laughs> they know. Oh, they've they've known like, this was coming for a while. It's about time, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it is about time. Very cool. Yeah, we uh, met those guys. We went to John Elkins' house, uh, their Christmas party a few years back, mm-hmm. and. Um, right when he was getting gearing up and um and i wasn't even really doing this stuff but he was just like oh yeah come on over and, and that was when I, we got introduced to meads and mm-hmm. holy cow those guys put out some i mean high caliber but yeah, really good the the uh, uh i can't remember the name it's been so oh, long okay but um there there's, was a couple there, of guys there yeah, there's one black guy that's a drafter that he does a lot of meads i think that was him yeah he's <laughs> makes really good meads he's always at like the hungry uh, shit case and Oh, yeah. always bring, he always brings a couple of meats to some of the drafter meetings. Very cool. Some, some cinnamon spice and apple spice meats. Oh, yeah. They're really good. How often do those guys meet? Just kind of once, once a month. month. Yeah, okay. Yeah, once a month. Right on. Thanks, dude. Sorry I couldn't, have, sorry I couldn't answer your call. I was talking on a guy from Nigeria <laughs> who called me with the, with some beer questions because he, he, he took the online beer course at, at OU. Interesting. So... You're brewing all this beer. You're getting this ideas that hey, it's clicking together. When did kind of the whole twisted spike idea kind well, of that formulate? was really a, 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 a after being hounded by some friends for years and years, and it's like how come, how come you're not getting that? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need to get this off? What do you need this? I was like, um, about a quarter million dollars. <laughs> and you know, there's a couple people around here, a couple of my friends that we've been you know you know for a long time. It's like I can make that happen. Really? Really? Mm-hmm. So I put him off for about a year, and then he asked me again. I was like, "All right, so the big deal is in Oklahoma, our laws suck. The beer laws are just terrible. Mm-hmm. So with all the craft beer stuff trying to come and starting to come on, all right, okay, well now, you know, last March, okay, now you can actually serve samples at your brewery. Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> you know, people have been doing that in, in Colorado for like thirty years, folks. So uh, we're, get, we're probably going to get rid of the three-two here at the next election and stuff. So here's open, and then hopefully, yeah. We I thought we were gonna. We had legislation on Mary Fountain desk for self distribution, really, like, like wineries. Oh, she yeah. sent it back. I guess the uh, hmm. the Navy's had too much money for her to say, okay, let's let the beer guys self distribute because everything's blowing up mm-hmm. in Oklahoma now. So that went back into committee. So that's going to have to come to a nationwide or a statewide referendum. Wow. So there's a, a handful of things that are going to be on that referendum in, in this not not even this November. It has to wait till next November, mm-hmm. which is okay timing wise for us because mm-hmm. that'll be just about when we're figuring stuff out. Yeah, you know, it's going to take you know four or six months to you know really get a good process down to really get our efficiencies up to where we actually have a clue. I mean, neither of us have run a brewery. Sure, I run a home brewery. <laughs> There's a difference. I'm not you know don't have rose colored glasses on me. When I was talking with one of the other um, guys and telling him about our time frame, like yeah, things will you know start on October first. Mm-hmm. I've got to wait for all my licensing, I got a facility to build, I have, and I was like, I'll be lucky to put grain and water together in next July. Right. And it's like, it's so good to have, to have somebody know that you're not going to do this next month. Exactly. Because I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, have breweries and planning that have a freaking clue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So about a year and a half ago, we started, you know, developing, a, you know, both of us have MBAs as well. 
Gotcha. So we got our MBAs when he was just about getting born as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, life lets you have a lot of experience over time to where sure. you can, you know, really get into something. And we've always, uh, I started actually working my way down the management chain at the FAA mm-hmm. since I was apparently way too opinionated for some upper level managers <laughs> that really didn't want to hear the bad news. No, really? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kind of went, okay. Mm-hmm. I had to regroup in my political uh, non-savvy. And so that's all my MBA stuff was like for um, processes and organization and document, documenting everything. I've mm. been doing, uh, I write instruction manuals basically for technicians. Is my job. Oh, wow. So that kind of stuff really plays itself well into uh, processes and procedures and getting stuff repeatable. Yeah. I want to make the same beer every time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Chase, Chase would rather make different beer all the time. It's like, that's all well and good. Sure. But if somebody walks in your place and wants, uh, ginger peppercorn saison, and you give them a ginger pink peppercorn saison. And they're like, mm, "This isn't doesn't taste like it did last time." It's like, "Well, I changed it." Like, nah. Yep. Okay. I want it reproducible. I mean, I'm a style hawk. I mean, yeah. If it's an Oktoberfest, by God, it's gonna be done in March. It's gonna be lagered <laughs> for three months, and I'm gonna serve it in September. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna name names, but there are breweries in town that just brewed their Oktoberfest last week, and we'll be re- releasing it next week. Yeah. I'm. That's not. That doesn't wash with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I can. I'm gonna probably have start with three fermenters in the place, and I'll probably be able to turn one and a half beers per thirty barrel. A month. I'm gonna go 14, 18, 21 days before packaging <laughs> because it, the beer needs it. Yeah. It just needs it. Mm-hmm. So, there's no what we will serve no beer before it's time. <laughs> He's a purist <laughs> at heart, of course. To put it lightly. Well, like I said, outside efficiency, right? I mean, yeah, it's all about crank it out. There's a reason why Budweiser's so popular. It's the yeah. same darn. It's thing. the same thing. Yeah. I need to light up time. A, my transition there. We got two thirty seconds segue. Sure. <laughs> So, I mean, what's your role uh, helping out uh, um, Bruce well, oh, while he's away for a minute? My MBA is um, focused on marketing mm-hmm. and management, and um, so that's my segue in this. I mean, I do have another full-time job, and that's um, management and operations of medical sales, so oh, I have okay. that whole operations side as well. Oh, fun. So. <laughs> nice. Now, will you eventually kind of jump on board, or um, uh, I have jumped on board already. Done some. Okay. I've done a lot of marketing through the chamber and through nice. other avenues, and will continue to do that with some sales guys. Sure. So. Nice at home projects, right? <laughs> I no, mean, not even at home. Yeah. I mean, through the city. So. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, while you're, you know, day job, and then you know, <laughs> come home and it never stops, right? No, it yeah. doesn't. Neither <laughs> one of us sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out so darn good still. It's amazing. Which, okay. <laughs> Cool. So with um, the new uh, Brewers Guild, what's your opinion on those guys? And uh, have you gotten help from them yet? Uh, I know they're just kind of up and coming. Have you been to some meetings? Um, I have not been to a meeting. I got invited to a meeting mm-hmm. uh, when I w- was in talking with Daniel at Coop because I guess they're, they have an office space for hmm. um, Candace. What's, what's his name? What's her name? Mickey? Mickey, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. She was. She was there. I got to talk to her. Um, the meeting that they were going to have was going to be out in Stroud like the next day. Oh. So I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, timing that's so great. <laughs> so okay. Um, we, that kind of organization is absolutely necessary. 
there's always everybody also always has their own self interests in mind on that. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some 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 kind of political nature to that. But everybody really has you know if we can if they can focus. I haven't been to a meeting, so I don't know how organized they are. Do they if they have an agenda or do they mm-hmm. have a whole bunch of things that they're working on or different yeah. subcommittees or doing whatever? As long as they're well organized, they should probably be a positive force regardless. Mm-hmm. So for what I've heard, I think. They they are you know obviously it's they're getting back backing the laws and they know that it's that's another reason to have something like that beyond what we have with local in Tulsa you know the grassroots there's only so much they push they can do but here's a you know legally legal operation that's like for this you know these brewers that are all trying to you know increase the economy of the state and. You know, we need a voice, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you had asked Bruce, you know, mm-hmm. why now or how long have you been planning this? I mean, we wanted mm-hmm. a really good location. Yeah. And um, that it, takes time, too. Yeah, and that takes timing, too. And when we've seen the growth of Oklahoma City and specifically that downtown area mm-hmm. is just booming with the urban growth right now. Mm-hmm. And he probably researched the location that we have for more than a year of just oh, yeah. finding a good location, yeah. finding a good location. And when he found the location that we have, I mean, then negotiating that yeah. location for a good six to eight months. Wow. But we wanted, we wanted like in the mix. I mean, not just an outlier location. So right. we did a lot of research on that. The and the city, we want to be part of the community. Yeah. The city and planning commission has a wealth of information on their website. Hmm. I think I, I have read every PDF that they ever put out <laughs> stuff from the, uh, how long it's going to take them to add trees to all the city streets, hmm. um, what their plans are for, for curb to facade, you know, where their, where their targets are, you know, the, the, uh, maps three, paid for the trolley system that's going to be downtown so uh, are you familiar with that at all well there's going to be a two rail that's going to go around Bricktown up Broadway left on Broadway on 10th Street towards um, St. Anthony's and Midtown then loop back around and go back towards um, so it's like a a, a elongated figure 8 linking Bricktown to Midtown basically nice and we're at 10th and Broadway, basically. So a block and a half from our building is going to be the, one of the stops, one of the major stops on Broadway and 10th. For Very that. nice. So um, the proximity of that area with everything else that's growing in Oklahoma City, right now it's kind of on the edge, but in five years it's going to be in the middle. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Ontario, Canada. That's a that's a uh, that's a stainless that's a stainless uh, fermenter oh, okay. corporate company. Nice. From all over this the is, world. This is making me look really cool right now. <laughs> <I'm getting laughs> international no. call, two international calls in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell it's an American holiday where it just, no, yeah. nothing stops. You know? Yeah. Yeah. From all around the world. Yeah, and then there's uh, at least twelve hundred more single unit. Condos and such that are either under construction or about to open <laughs> on the east side of Bricktown. Okay. Um, so all of those plans and stuff, that's all on the Oklahoma City Planning Commission's website. So looking at all their demographics and then the GE World Research Center for Petroleum, they're building that on 10th, just oh, on right. the other side of uh, So you're right in the boom, boom section. I mean, it's uh, all yeah. going to grow. They, they added an exit 
2235. Going north. The, the, on the side. That wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So now we have north and southbound ag- um, access to 10th Street. Nice. So we just increased, you know, the city has you know, how many cars go, all the demographics on all the streets for all that stuff. So instead of 6,000 cars going through Broadway and 10th, with that one change to exit, they go from 8,000 cars a day. Wow. That are gonna, they're going to cross that intersection. Just from opening up the southbound huh. entrance to 10th That's Street. That's pretty awesome. So, so high traffic area. blowing up. Absolutely blowing yeah. up. So and we definitely need to change the laws to where you can sell your product. Distribute? Oh, my side. That, well, actually, I mean, that, that... Somebody can come in and buy a pint that's not 4%. <laughs> I mean, man... Yeah. But at least you're on the, you know, so you're right there when it when it happens. And that was the you know, three, ready three to go. key. The biggest keys to our plan yep. was the location, obviously, and beer laws, and um, getting, you know, being as fit, as efficient as we could, and mm-hmm. keeping our initial investment as low as possible. Mm-hmm. So you know, we have the location. Uh, we're gonna get the beer laws eventually. And then my partnerships with the local guys around here is really helping me out tremendously. I mean, Daniel Mercer is a good friend of mine. I mean, although I know every single brewer in the town. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got ridiculous beer cred in this town. <laughs> so Daniel and their 30-barrel system at Coop, they're doing all my hot side. Oh. So I'm going to basically roll in with the, with the truck with a 10,000-gallon tank or two 5,000-gallon 5, tanks. They're gonna brew. They're gonna mash and brew, and chill my wart. I'm gonna be in there with a the truck. I'll fill up some tanks. I take the tanks across town to my building and fill up fermenters. Hmm. So I've avoided that $250,000 investment in a 30-barrel system. Interesting. And have the advantage of having some economies of scale. Yeah. Everybody else in town here, when they get started, they want to get started as cheap as they can. So they're doing seven and ten-barrel systems, mm-hmm. and they outgrow them in a year and a half. And now you're stuck with that system. You're stuck with, okay, I guess we're going to brew three times today. Mm-hmm. And they triple their work or quadruple their work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they work four times as hard for half, half, the, half the income. Wow. I'm a well-educated man. <laughs> I'm not, and I don't have that kind of time. I'm old. <laughs> I can't brew. I don't have the energy to brew four times in a day. Yeah. So I let them brew once. I turn on pump, fill up my 30-barrel fermenters that will fit. I've got a really low ceiling. I have to have some custom stuff made, mm-hmm. but that's not going to cost me any more money. So I'm going to be doing, out of the gate, I'll have thirty access to 30 barrel batches. Interesting. Interesting. So, and so you'll kind of do that until you can gauge. Gain. I've got a, I'll have a two-year contract mm-hmm. with Coop with two, year, two one-year options. Mm-hmm. Um, my lease in downtown is a three-year lease with two five-year options. Um, after two and a half, three years, I will have a. I should. I should have a real good idea of what my quantities are, need to be, and what my investment is going to need to be. And at that time, if I need a thirty barrel system, I'll I'll go to a, a, a industrial park somewhere mm-hmm. and put a fifty put a thirty barrel system in. Mm-hmm. If we're just going ridiculously crazy, mm-hmm. I might put a fifty barrel in. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what those what the what the future right. predictions would be. And those would be for those. I think I saw the other day you posted those flagship four flagship beers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you're not going to need maybe a thirty gallon system for your sour uh, sour side. But <laughs> yeah, fifteens. I'll do fifteen year okay. batches of that. Um, okay. 
you know, the expansion for that is to have a, at least three 15 barrel fermenters for that yes. stuff. And then I've got, I mean, the, the building is 5,700 square feet. Or 7,500 square feet. I'm dyslexic as well, so. I hear you there. Uh, <laughs> that's why he is having nothing to do. We have two accounts. CPA, yeah. <laughs> God love him. Yeah, I would have to do the same. <laughs> I'm not about So I've got 7,500 square feet. <laughs> yeah. And um, since I can't, you know, purchase back my own product, the tap room is actually going to be owned by Donna. Uh, and her LLC will own the tap room. There you go. So, like, keeping out, staying oh, within the Oklahoma laws. <laughs> yeah. Until we can still distribute. Uh, gotcha. So we'll keep those. They'll have to have you know have to have that legally separate. Right. By those different LLCs mm-hmm. until we get some some laws changed. Um, I was expecting that to be on. The 16 ballot, I really hope it is, but if it's not, it'll be another mm. another year. Um, at least we'll get rid of the 3-2 stuff. So we'll be able to, as soon as we get rid of the 3-2 stuff, there's really, if they get rid of the 3-2 stuff, mm-hmm. then they have to do self-distribution. Mm. If they, because they do that, if they don't do self-distribution, that shuts down every single brew pub in the state. Mm-hmm. No more old Germany, no more Bricktown. Yeah. They won't be able to brew beer and sell it. Period. It's insane. So those two are uniquely linked. How much do you think this, the refrigeration law that's kind of come up, the law, the bill that's that is kind so of, secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it spurred the conversation too. Well, why do we need two strengths? Right. Right. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing. It's right. it's and that's why nothing happened. It kind of tabled, but it went through committees. Right. But so it's two two very uniquely separated uh, concepts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you've got on one hand you've got the distributors and the large grocery stores versus mom and pop mm-hmm. liquor store right and then on this on the whole alcohol side you've got the three two argument with the beer and the winery distributions so there are two very different things that they're going to have to deal with mm-hmm. um, if Aubrey McClendon doesn't have deep enough pockets to get his whole his personal Whole Food store passage to sell sell beer in the store. Who has enough money to do that? That's a good point. Walmart. I mean, I've heard Walmart like kind of throwing. They want like, they, they want so they want wine and beer. Whole thing. They, they want Aubrey, wine and beer. Go ahead, go ahead Aubrey. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Yeah, that I didn't know about. <laughs> But I hear they have got quite a chunk of money that they can throw at it, too. You know. you know, Chesapeake is right there at uh, that Grand and 50th area. Okay. So that's where he got his own, his own personal Whole Foods built. And uh, their, his big carrot to them was, we'll get that law, law changed. I see. Yeah, it, I've heard that story a couple times just in this past year. <laughs> it didn't happen. I'm like, oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think something can change? Not in this state. <laughs> it takes it takes a while. Yeah, it takes a while. Yeah. So it depends on where what groups mm. mobilize and prioritize the legislation. Mm. I'm thinking it's going to take at least two two separate years because that's way too much change in Oklahoma for one year. <laughs> you can't do both. Yep. You can't that's do both. Savagery. And when when Anheuser Busch pulls out of their lobby group. Because their self interests are not with mm-hmm. the dis- the in state distributors. Oh, they've been a member of that for thirty years. 
Let's they put it. hundreds of thousands of dollars into that group. And for them to go... Because they want exclusive exclusive stuff. That's why they're buying up all these other distributors out there. Right. If they want to sell their special, you know, they've got Bourbon County staff now. Yeah. If Anheuser Busch wants to pick the higher end grocery stores to send the BCBS in, they want to be able to sell that at a specific point product marketed whatever. And they should. But but the distributors in Oklahoma don't want that. They want free for everybody. Even distribution, even, even, even. And is like, peace out. Yeah, there's only so much time that that can really work. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many people and so many in their pockets that mm. the Nafis have everybody in their pocket. Everybody. That's crazy. This is getting into more than I know. So it's <laughs> that's why I'm glad we have somebody that's kind of uh, been through the yeah, been through the done note. a lot of research. Yeah, <laughs> done a lot of research. So, well, getting back, uh, we'll scale back to the political side a little bit, but uh, getting back to your flagship beers we were kind of talking about a minute ago. So, having all that space, this I think is one of them the peppercorn, ginger peppercorn saison. Great. So, two summer beers, mm-hmm. um, two winter beers, um, the quad, my holy beer, uh, as well as the stout. Okay. Um, I'm almost kind of trying to backpedal a little bit on some of those because I really think it'll be important to have a little bit more transition beer in the tap room. Mm-hmm. So a porter and a pale. I brew a ridiculously tasty pale. Nice. Um, I judge every every brewery in the world on their pale ale. Mm-hmm. If they don't have, if they can't do a pale ale, I don't want to taste anything else. You would think, right? So when I just I, shared some of John's uh, pale ale last John night. John has a People are like, hey, do they make this in gigs? Like, oh, it's a good well, yeah, I'm probably. Yeah. <laughs> John has a really, really good pale ale. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost tipping my scale on the Rough Tail IPA over at five. Mm-hmm. I really like the Rough Tail IPA. Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, would, yeah. I love that five. No, no, no. F5's got a very uh, solid spot in every, mm-hmm. I think, it is untouchable. But a Rough Tail has thrown something new into the mix that it's yeah. very competitive. We'll say so, that, at least. for so. beer styles, um, since the, the, the biggest, my biggest fear in this entire enterprise is access to hops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't get am- I might pale. I use Amarillo hops in it. Hmm. Large quantity Amarillo hops are unattainable without a you know, without a contract that's two right. years out. I don't have a hop contract. Um, so that seems to be the trend. If you don't have a contract these days and you want to be a large scale, it's right. it's. But see, that's very... what I've been saying to him. How consistent is everything going to be if you mm-hmm. can't get that long term? Right. I don't want you jumping from. And here I'm telling him how to burn his beer, but I don't. I don't mean to tell him how to do his beer. But, but she picked you want up consistency. On, you want the... on, on this actual this ginger beer everyone says on. I didn't prepare, and I was like eight pounds short on some on my pilsner grain, mm-hmm. so I substituted with um, just some two row. Mm-hmm. Little Miss Beer's now picked that up. <laughs> and I used to hate beer. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't drink beer in college or anything. And he did something different. I tasted it. And I just kind of like, sat there for a second. I'm like, what did you do? Like, he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, what did you do to this beer? Like, it tastes different. He's like, damn it. <laughs> so, I mean, Funny. he's taught me how to smell. He's taught me how to do mm-hmm. everything. And I was like, no, you can't do this to this beer. Because right. this beer is different than any other Saison I've ever tasted. Mm-hmm. So you got to nail it every time. Exactly. 
talking to other guys trying to uh, get started in Tulsa, there's uh, nothing's left brewing. And, uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty clever, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it, kind of, it keeps growing on me. And um, they have a galaxy uh, that they made, like a galaxy um, pale ale. Um, and it's galaxy, all galaxy hops. Well, that's another hop that's like hard to get and they're like we're gonna have to they already like we're gonna have to change this up and we don't know if we can and that was I, I remember a couple years ago even that Armadillo was having that same thing it was just like yeah we had this black hop our black hop IPA and then they they continued I, I loved it at first well they were doing five gallon batches you know when they weren't even really brewing full scale at Rough Tail mm-hmm. like they were and they, they they made a change I'm like man something's Something like it's like yeah we couldn't get enough cascades so we had to go to like Centennials like I mean Centennials great but man this this wasn't as great with when I first had it you know it's, it was and a little let down and that's what I want people but, to say yeah. about each beer I mean because he'll have up to twenty four beers mm-hmm. you know including all the sours yeah you know the plan is to bring out the first four and then mm-hmm. the next four and then the next four sure and I mean we've kind of had a plan of which four are going to be first mm-hmm. which next four are going to be first and you know we're we're naming each four mm-hmm. and I was like but you we got to nail it and it has to be consistently nailed yep. you know because some people are going to love this some people are going to love the IPA some people are going to love the porter and that's going to be their beer that when they come in I want that that's right you know and we have our um, our flight and how we're going to present that flight mm-hmm. you know but so when people come in they're going to want their favorite but then you know we're going to encourage them to try mm-hmm. you know try this five or try whatever sure and the way we present our flight I'm, I'm loving how we're going to do that oh yeah but um so yeah, but we gotta we gotta nail it on like or spike it or whatever however you want to call it. You know, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, obviously, so you're taking care of the marketing side. I mean, it, it is. It's true. If you don't, if you make one change, you know, there's like I keep I keep preaching it in this this podcast. It's like people are saying, you know, people are some people are beer snobs when they try all these different beers. It's like no. Beer snob's not just a person that gets out of their comfort zone and tries something. Beer snob is stuck in like their Coors Light or Bud Light, and they just like, that's all I want, that's all I need, I don't need anything else. I think people that are just too constricted don't. But I mean, there is something too that says, I love this beer. I want to make sure it's. I want it to be the same every time, you know. It's well, that's just like people that drink wine. You fall in love mm-hmm. with a particular wine or a couple different wines, depending on what food you're eating. Mm-hmm. That's what you like, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you go to a restaurant, that's the wine you're going to order, or that's the wine you're going to purchase at that liquor store. Mm-hmm. You know, just like beer, you compare with food, almost easier than wine yeah. because there's more kinds. I keep preaching too. It's like we are so much more complex than wine ever will be. And drink up, kids. Flagship beer number two. Okay. Uh, well, how about giving them a different tasting so they don't drive out of here like crazy? How about some tasting glasses? I'll just pour up a little short. Well, they need to no. <laughs> just just a just a smidge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're, you're, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to be, we'll be rude. We we'll have lots of water. Oh, we yeah. Plenty. Yeah, we have water. Well, we're going to go probably get some food downtown, too, I'm yeah. sure, later. Do you have water in there? Yes. Yeah. Do you like some more? Uh, He's going to rinse. I'm just going to rinse. I'm good for the Thank you. So what are we on to next? This is a Belgian blonde. This okay. is my Dirty Blonde Sanchez. Nice. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I did this as a pro-am beer at the 2013 
Great American Beer Fest with Coop. Oh, cool. So we did, uh, Blake and I brewed two batches, one Saturday, mo- Saturday morning, <laughs> and one of the one of the requirements for the Pro-Am for the Great American Beer Fest was they have to be, it has to be publicly released. Okay. Um, so a couple years ago, they did it as their summer release, hmm. and in October of that year, we uh, entered the, the Pro-Am competition. Nice. We got beat by uh, another Belgian blonde from mm. New Belgium. Oh, well. So Those guys kind of we, had to, we had to take our medicine. Thank you. Well, but that's kind of it's a great experience. And oh yeah, I was like hanging out with Blake and you know doing that. He's a great brewer over there, and um, I need to get yeah. Those are the next guys I want to kind of talk to. And mm-hmm. That new brewery just went over that new brewery Amy and I did uh, not long ago, and man, it's a really awesome experience there. And now they're doing crawlers. We can dump that. It's good if you want to move on. I'm okay. okay. I, I, I like to savor mine. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I like, tend to drink a little bit quicker. I drink coffee. So you drink. Man, and I didn't have coffee today, so I'm I'm on a I'm on a special day. It's a special day, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but I entered. This yeah. is one of my. This is the uh, my first beers that I entered in the, the national homebrew competition. It smells nice. And um, it made it to the top six. Huh? Um, it, I have my score sheet from Gordon Strong. Nice on this one, so it came in fourth, fifth, or sixth. I didn't medal. I didn't medal in this one, but I made it. You know, I got a gold medal at the regional. Cool. And then the top three beers in each category advanced to the national competition. So I got a, I got a gold medal regionally for the blonde, and then I made it to the best the the final round of in the in the uh, category fourteen or whatever it is for Belgian Strongs, and uh, came in fourth, fifth, or sixth. That's pretty solid. That's nice. So, it's good. Head, uh, good aroma. Mm-hmm. Tiny bit of a banana on there. Classic Belgian blonde. Yeah, I mean it's getting close. clean, <laughs> effervescent. Do that. That's money. In a, I mean, if you can that, four or six yeah, packs. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. What's the ABV though? Uh, six four. Oh wow. Okay. It's a little more than I would have expected. And it does have a kicker but. name. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's a seller in itself. <laughs> Who doesn't want to have you know, come here? Dirty Los Angeles, yeah. So oh, yeah. since you brought up cans, mm. so are you going to try to distribute your beer via cans or bottles or? I will, I will be bottling. Mm. Bottling, probably in four packs and singles of three seventy fives only. Oh, okay. Um, personally, my beer is way too sexy for a can. <laughs> now, are you a, a, a bottle purist? <laughs> Not or? necessarily. Okay. okay. Um, from the marketing standpoint yep. of it, um, my, I've done on the six to ten tastings that I've done for investors as well as mm. other, other friends, mm-hmm. um, my quad is 5 and 0 against Tomate Blue. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We just had that last night, too. We had a vintage, but it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so that's completely different, um, but yeah, that's a wine taste test. Get out of here! So, huh. in a four pack of quad, mm-hmm. you can buy a four pack and quad out of a can. Or you buy a four pack and quad out of a bottle. That's where it gets down to it. You know, they, they, when they put imperial stouts in a can, it's amazing still. But it's yeah. still like yeah. it's all in the packaging and. The, yeah, you're right. So I've got a lot of Crazy. friends that uh, that own liquor stores too. They're mm. waiting for so I'm waiting for some shelf, shelf space. I'm gonna 
when you see a 1699 Oklahoma quad against a 1999 four pack of Chimay Blue or at 12. Mm. Three bucks cheaper, better head to head. Local. Local. <laughs> so that's mm. that's the target price point, that's mm. the target market, and bottle for bottle. I'm going after that. Sure. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> So I got, yeah. This is uh, this will be. This is I would I would drink this over a left one. Okay, I'm I didn't have one of those in a while. After yeah. left, okay. I'm taking one of those imports. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking those imports, and those that's my that, those are my target competitors. Mm. I'm not going. I mean, as far as my market in Oklahoma, um, there's I'll, no we're going to be able to do stuff. And yeah. There will be some similarities, but. Um, I'm going after the left side, the the, the Chimay's. Mm-hmm. I'm going after those guys. Um, the price point is better. Mm-hmm. The quality of the beer is comparable, and that's that's my competition. I'm I, I don't have to worry about. Them. I mean, I don't have to worry about these guys local, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Um, Patrick, uh, who's now you know, was with Coop, now now with Atham, you know, a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Hell, I drove I drove home from Great American Beer Fest in his car, him. Because he had been up all night partying, so I'm, driving, <laughs> I'm the one that's driving back from the Great American right. Beer Fest, Patrick. So uh, it had been it had been several months after I had you know gone public with you know having the right. brewery and whatever, and I, I we I ran into him at the uh, Oklahoma Craft Beer Fest mm-hmm. at Myriad, and that had been a couple months since I seen him. So I went talk to him. He's like, "So <laughs> you're opening a place?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> and he's like. So you're gonna kick everybody's ass, aren't you? And I was like, no, man, it's all about local. We're all good. Oh hell yeah, mm-hmm. I'm coming after everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I yeah, I mean, I think there's plenty of market share around for everyone. To, anything that new comes around yeah. is hot. I mean, regardless, we're somebody's gonna try it. Mm-hmm. I don't right. care who it is, what it is, yeah, and what I, style. Everybody's gonna try it. And. I'm probably in a better position locally downtown mm. because we're going to have a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, our, our tap room is, you know, I went to the beer garden, we went to the beer garden the other night and I hadn't been there yet. Mm-hmm. Not the beer garden, the, the Patriarch. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't been there and I heard a lot of great things about it. It was all awesome and I walked in there and there's, it, was, it was on Friday night. It was really super busy and I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. I'm gonna have to brew a lot more beer. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I was like, oh. it, it that up. was not only the regular demographic. Yeah, it was. It was the. It was. It was very much a, a Edmund mix there. Mm-hmm. Instead mm-hmm. of downtown, where we have all your guys, you know, all the millennials, mm. there was it was thirty percent over forties up there. Mm-hmm. Because it was accessible and it's Edmund, it's cool. Mm-hmm. So we're very attuned to where what the demographic is, who's going where, what's going to be available. I'm like, mm-hmm. I was shocked to see that many people my age there. Yeah. So I'm like, that was our last podcast. I went to talk to a, a beer snob Rob over there and at the Patriarch, and mm-hmm. it was a nice. I mean, place and we shared a room with a couple older guys in their fifties probably and. They were having a good time drinking 
I don't know, something craft. I mean, mm-hmm. but it's just mm-hmm. like, it's good to see, you know. Yeah, you know. The conversations that you can have from one age oh, to another. Yeah. Exactly. It, it bridges all generational gaps for mm-hmm. sure. And then that outdoor area is just perfect. It's going to be amazing fall, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so this, obviously, these two, we've had amazing summer beers. This is going to kill, I mean, I hope so. for summer. This so, is, I mean, but this isn't even my favorite style. My favorite style is a double. Oh, nice. Um, Your favorite which one? My favorite is the double. My favorite style is the double as far as for food. Sure. Pairings on stuff. I mean, I make a ridiculous... I mean, I I probably brew seven or eight beers every year. So I've got, mm. you know, that, that closet's got like <laughs> six years worth of quads in it. Oh, I see. And... Uh, I, for some reason or another, my double got overlooked the last couple of years, and I hadn't done double, so that's the first double I've done in, in several years. Okay. It's one of my favorite styles. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I make beer can chicken with my double. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, you. so, vertical roasted, you know, put a ceramic, it's a big pie plate, but I'll put a pint of double nice. for, the, for, the, for the beer can chicken. <laughs> phenomenal. That's cool. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, do, doubles get overlooked quite a bit because, I mean, they're complex, but they're not overly punchy in the face, mm-hmm. you know, with, the, with its characteristics. I mean, yeah. We pay per view the OU game on Saturday, and I watched the OU game yes. with our stout. Mm-hmm. I drank <laughs> stout the whole time. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I love it. <laughs> There's uh, a lot of women I think I've met liking the darker beers. Um, they'll just say stouts or, yeah, porters or some coffee stouts. I know you are always like it's so it's so coffee. I'm like yeah, because it's that roasty dark you know character, and she's not a big coffee drinker, so right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, I, I get mean, that. But... Our porter, it's a vanilla coffee porter. Ooh. it's really good. But I mean, so porter, I mean, you know, it doesn't have as much. It doesn't have quite the. I guess maybe a thicker body of a stout. Maybe. Yeah, it's not so, as thick. I mean, mm-hmm. the the stout is a Russian imperial dark chocolate. Stout. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. And as far as all the names, I mean, some of the yeah. people have asked us, you know, are you, you know, the reason we picked Twisted Spike, I mean, and people are like, why'd you pick that? Because we're, we're right beside the railroad tracks mm. on 10th Street. Okay. And it took us like six to eight months to come up with a name. Isn't that you know, crazy? You think you come up with something cool, right. it's it's already used somewhere. That or was the thing the domain. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were trying to, we wanted something just spot on. And he was... You know, we'd come up with something, and I didn't like it. He'd come up with something, and, you know, I'd come up with something, and he's like, no. And he'd come up with something, like, no. And it took us... It sounds kind of like naming a baby. It was worse <laughs> than naming a baby. It was worse than naming our I child. I mean, that's what it kind of sounds like, really. When we named our kids. I... It, was, it was easy. Right. This, this baby took us forever. Because yeah, yeah. it is your baby. We didn't fight about it, but right? it was worse. You like Finders Red? Mm. I'm doing a Finders Red. Mm-hmm. And I put... These two products in my Flanders Red. Put your finger out. That's going in my Flanders Red. What is it? Dark candies. Belgian candy sugar. Oh, wow. And then the 45 is a little bit more amber. Okay. So. Typically, it's amber candy sugar. Two pounds of amber candy sugar in in a Flanders Red. Uh Um, I'm doing one pound of amber and one pound of dark. Wow. I put the super dark in the quad. Okay. That has all of those Belgian candy flavors. Oh, wow. Woo! Just sugar? Incredible. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> in, yeah, yeah, I mean... I mean, 
these kind of these are the you know, in my in my pail. Mm-hmm. It's all Mar- Marisada. Oh, I love Marisada. I don't Ooh. do two row. Okay. So fresh ginger, fresh okay. peppercorn. Um, yeah. This candy sugar is um, a fifty pound. Uh, I pay bulk prices. It's about three fifty a pound. Mm. For that, which is you know, if you if you buy at the at the brew shop, it's going to be seven or eight dollars a pound. But wholesale, yeah. um, it's at, it's about seventy five cents to a dollar above straight other 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 candy sugar. You'll this be able a, to do okay. that. This is a Belgian candy uh, sugar. Mouse. Yeah, I buy I'll mm. buy I buy I'll buy that in fifty pound buckets. Wow. And put that in in the double and the quad. Very and nice. All so that, that will stuff. be like a Calvin Klein beer. <laughs> <laughs> It's a sexy beer. I'm, you know, and the well, beers, I mean, the, will, they'll be, will, they stand out mm-hmm. on quality, on process. And for me, you know, this is this is like kind of my retirement style plan. Mm-hmm. In three years, I'll be able to retire from the FAA mm-hmm. with 32 years of federal service. Um, yes. I would have a very comfortable retirement. I can sure. do whatever. I can be a, I can be an engineering consultant. I can mm-hmm. do whatever stuff for some stupid reason I decided to open a freaking brewery in Oklahoma no less <laughs> in Oklahoma <laughs> it's not a stupid reason no well I can make a get, lot more, more money prolific and more positive if you as contract, you go right? I can make a lot more money doing at least a half a dozen other things mm-hmm. but you do what you love but I'm doing yeah. this so it's all good. and we're just gonna stop it right about there Actually, we've got another good hour to go talking with Bruce and his wife, Donna, from Twisted Spike. Uh, We're going to learn exactly where this brewery is going to be popping up in downtown Oklahoma City and all the things they have planned for it. So stay tuned next week for another episode right here. Same craft time, same craft channel, oklahomacraftbeer.com.